Welcome to the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How are you doing? I'm good. And, uh, good, you know, too. We, we came off a decent weekend of fights. We have uh, a Volkov beating a off Struve. And, uh, you know, that, that was a pretty decent fight card for was the brutal. lack of... The lack of star power is a pretty good fight card. Marbek Tysimov. I've been telling you this for a very you long have. time. Look at Marbek Tysimov. He's such an underrated lightweight. I'm surprised he hasn't been given a top 10 prospect yet because he is a lightweight prospect, but it'd be, it's going to be good to see him continue on in his lightweight UFC career. But Marbek Tysimov, man, man, what a knockout. Just in the pocket, too. Just mm-hmm. flatlined him. Yeah. That was awesome. It was a very nice performance, knocking out Felipe Silva in the first round. Uh, and, you know, it was a great card up and down i mean three finishes on the main card and you got yes. a ton of finishes uh late late as well so uh, a good fight card for uh for uh what's it uh, netherlands and uh now we're moving on to ufc 215 pay-per-view happening in edmonton canada this was the rumored one uh back when uh you know gsp was supposed to come back yeah this was the one in question but unfortunately mm-hmm. he's not going to come back to this one yeah uh, madison at, square Garden. Right. i think i think it's a big enough arena for they're, GSP's they're looking comeback, they're huh? looking at uh, uh michael bisbing and gsp in Madison Square Garden around November. Yeah, no, it's been announced. UFC yeah. 217 in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I think that's one of the fight cards that have been... Uh, I know it's uh, official. Fights I that have been. just don't know the official date yet. Oh, to November. Uh, the official date is uh, November 4th. There you go. And we got uh, Bisping, GSP, Garbrandt, Dillashaw. That's uh, going to be awesome. That fight's going to be fireworks, especially Feroz. with all the animosity between the two gyms. Mm-hmm. Feroz, uh, Feroz is uh, little brother's fighting on that card. Oh, there you go. Um, Hendricks is fighting on that card. Uh, Welcome Olenek. back. Big rig. Alexi Olenek is fighting on that card. Wonder Boy versus Masvidal is fighting on that card. And uh, That's Corey, a great matchup. Corey Anderson's and uh, Patrick Cummings is also on that card. But let's let's talk about UFC 215, the one that's happening on Saturday, September 9th, headlined by Demetrius Mighty Johnson taking on Ray Borg, the Tasmanian devil. This is the one where uh, TJ was TJ Dillashaw was actually supposed to come down ten mm-hmm. pounds and fight DJ. And but, we'll talk about that once yeah. once we get to DJ. Just saying what the headliner is. We're going to start off on the FS1 prelims, and we're going to start off in the flyweight division. Two guys that Demetrius Johnson has recently beat. The last two guys he's recently beat. They're taking off, uh, taking on each other. Henry Cejudo, the gold medalist, right? Yes, gold gold, yes, in Olympic wrestling, and then also Wilson Hayes uh, from Brazil. So looking at both of these guys, Henry Cejudo and Wilson Hayes, who do you got in this fight? I have Henry Cejudo, and here's the thing. Wilson Hayes lasted longer, and yes, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's been around longer, but I feel like Henry Cejudo... His two losses off of uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Joseph Benavidez, I really feel like are going to elevate his game and his motivation. So I really think he's going to put his Muay Thai pressure real good on him. Uh, he's going to engage in the clinch real good against Wilson Hayes. Uh, if he does take it to the ground, he's going to want to stay away from half guard because that's where Wilson Hayes can get up from those sweeps or maybe pull up a reversal uh, mm-hmm. with an underhook or something like that. But uh, I'm taking uh, Henry Cejudo. I think he's just too young and too powerful for someone like Wilson Hayes, who's been around for a long time. When I look at Wilson Hayes' last wins, I mean, the, the last memorable name I see is Dustin Ortiz. I mean, I don't right. see anything sticking out on here where Henry Cejudo, and Dustin like Ortiz, you mentioned. Yeah, Dustin Ortiz just came off of a knockout win. Yeah, and when you're looking at Henry Cejudo, I mean, two fights against Benavides and uh, Mighty Mouse. Obviously, Mighty Mouse was not a competition at all. He just no. he stopped him right away. However, that Benavides fight was very close, and some people had Cejudo winning it. It was a split decision. A lot of people thought there was some Cejudo controversy. Fight. in that fight too. So it wasn't like Cejudo got blown out by Benavides. I'm I'm gonna uh, you know I'm gonna agree with you here. I think that Henry Cejudo he does have some striking power um, and, and he's got decent accuracy at least um, when landing those. Um, he's got good takedown defense and then also he can take down his opponents as well. So I think Henry Cejudo has more of a well-rounded fighter. I think that's gonna play to his advantage and get him the win on the FS1 prelims. So let's head on to now the headliner of that FS1 prelims. It is a 
bantamweight fight in the women's division. Sarah McMahon, the uh, veteran of the uh, fight, uh, one of the one of the veterans of the bantamweight division, taking on Ketlin Vieira. Am I saying that right? Ketlin Vieira. Yep. Ketlin Vieira. Vieira. Yep. So when you're looking at these guys, Ketlin Vieira, a, a young fighter, eight zero in her career, she's coming up the ranks, taking on a veteran, Sarah McMahon. What does Vieira need to do against a veteran like McMahon to throw her off her game and get a win? You know what? She's got to stay in her face, and she's got to put the hands on Sarah McMahon, too, um, And which she, which she is absolutely capable of doing. She, she's 8-0. She's super durable and super tough, uh, loves to just grind down and grit, come forward with boxing. Um, she likes to um, avoid the wrestling, too, which is going to help against Sarah McMahon because mm-hmm. Sarah McMahon, I believe, is, is a silver medalist in the Olympics. Yeah, wrestling background. Yes, and she's a monster. She's a monster in the clinch. She's got an awesome single leg and an awesome double leg. Her striking, when you look at the Amanda Nunez fight, her striking wasn't all there. I mean, Amanda Nunez just took her apart and picked her apart with angles. Um, so I, I feel like Ketlin, that's what Ketlin's going to need to do in order to get the victory here. But I do feel like Sarah McMahon is going to take her down and beat yeah. her up. I mean, Sarah McMahon, obviously, you look at her takedown defense, has never been taken down in the UFC. No. Um, she's fairly efficient when it comes to taking down her opponents. So if Ketlin Vieira can avoid that, that's definitely going to play into her advantage. And when you look at Ketlin Vieira, um, she's won her past two fights, beat Ash- Ashley Evans-Smith and Kez, uh, Kelly Faceholtz. Uh, Very and, decisively, yeah. too. Uh, well, the, the Faceholtz one was a split decision, but a- Ashley e. Evans-Smith, she ran through. Uh, but... Um, you look at Viara, if she's able to avoid that um, and, and go and take on Sarah McMahon, who is a veteran, her only loss is coming to champions in Misha Tate, mm-hmm. Amanda Nunes, and Ronda Rousey. Um, it's obviously going to play to her advantage, but like you said, I mean, I look at Sarah McMahon, her only losses are to champions, right. and everyone else she's faced, she's looked great against. So I'm going to take Sarah McMahon. I feel like it's not Viera's timing yet, but like we see, there's a lot of tools for her to work off and, exactly. and grow on. And, you know, Fighting and taking a step up like Sarah McMahon. If you beat Sarah McMahon, there you go. You're in the top 10. Exactly. You're, you're elevating yourself. But if you lose, you're losing to someone with a lot of uh, pedigree and a lot of at least, you know, um, kind of name, value if, to her name. If anything, this is going to be a fight of attrition. Who can put mm-hmm. it all together the best? I think Sarah McMahon, just being the veteran, having yeah. all those tools already, I, th- I think she, she knows how to go through a camp. She knows how to go through a fight. And I feel she's like, got awesome wrestling. She's got awesome chokes. I feel and, like she's going to get it done. And that's the thing. She can always rely on that that wrestling background to yeah. get her a win. So I think I think McMahon's going to put all of those tools to use. But let's get on to the main card now. Probably the most exciting fight when yeah, you look at it on paper. We're, we're talking about the hands of Ketlin Vieira. Look at this matchup. These, Jeremy yeah. Stevens taking on Gilbert Melendez. Gilbert Melendez, uh, this is his second fight since coming back, right? This is his second fight since coming back. His last fight was a decision loss to Edson Barboza, and that yeah. was in Chicago on Fox. That it was. was on the same card as Holly Holm and, and Shevchenko. Shevchenko. Yeah. Um, and that was a great fight. However, um, it was a very tough loss for Gilbert Melendez. I had always felt that at 155, he looked a little... I, I hate using this word he he looked a little flabby you know what i mean yeah. he didn't look he wasn't trim right uh, you know, at 145, hopefully his cardio's there, his conditioning's there. Uh, when you saw him fight Strike Force, he would, you know, just put hands on guys like Tatsuya Kayajiri and just flatline them. Uh, I hope he brings some more of that power back because he's going to need that against somebody like Jeremy Stevens, whose only game plan is to knock you out. Yeah, that's it. However, in his past seven fights, he's two and five, so yes. he really hasn't. Jeremy Stevens hasn't been this killer. Uh, as of late, I mean, he knocked out, or no, he won, uh, he beat Henan Burrell, he did not knock out Henan Burrell, um, and he knocked out Dennis Bermudez, but he's lost to Cub Swanson, lost to Charles Oliveira, lost to Max Holloway, 
lost to Frankie Edgar, and then recently lost to Moisano. So, um, obviously, this Who is isn't an, even a ranked guy. Uh, he, I think he's ranked now. I think he's 11-1. Because of that um, fight. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he beat Jeremy Stevens, so that's going to help uh, boost you. But Jeremy Stevens hasn't had the best last seven fights. And, you know, no, Gil he hasn't. Melendez obviously, you know, hasn't really been stable in both his weight class and just in the UFC being right. suspended. So, can Gilbert Melendez get back on the winning side, or has Jeremy Stevens just been too active and he does still have that power, so he will be able to win that way? This is the thing. This is the coming out party for Gilbert Melendez because, you know, he's just coming well, off I of mean, that. He was a champion. Well, yes, but he was coming off of that suspension, so that's the last thing people remember of him mm-hmm. is that's taking true. that thing and, you know, getting suspended for it and getting fined. Uh, right now at 145, did he lose all the muscle? Because of those, because of that supplement, I mean, we don't know. Is his cardio going to be there? Uh, ring rust. How much is how much of a factor is ring rust going to play? You know, Dominic Cruz says, you know, ring rust isn't real unless you let it be real. But we saw the best John Jones ever, or the worst John Jones ever, beat up Ovin St. Prue, and he looked magnificent doing it. Well, so we saw is, John Jones again beat up Daniel Cormier, and he looked after fantastic. After another long layoff. Yeah. So are we going to see that from Gilbert Melendez? I don't know. Maybe Jeremy Stevens is the one who needs a break, but he's the one who's been the most active, and he's the one who's been cutting down to 145 multiple times. This is Gilbert Melendez's first time going to 145. Mm-hmm. I don't think that his cardio is going to be all there. Gilbert Melendez is tough, but I think Jeremy Stevens has been at 145 for way too long for someone at their first time to just go, hey, this is my place. I think Jeremy Stevens is going to be like, no. You're reading my mind today. I think I think the weight cut and then also the long layoff, I think Melendez isn't the most mentally strong fighter we've seen. I think he's he's definitely been through adversity. but You know you what? At least- he, he even admitted in the Anthony Pettis fight he's felt anxiety in the cage. Yeah. You can't necessarily admit your psychological faults especially in a sport like this and i think jeremy stevens with his mentality of i'm gonna bite down on my mouthpiece and punch you out i feel like that's gonna play into stevens's advantage i think just with the weight cut um and everything that surrounds gilbert Melendez and having 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 not being active recently and not feeling like a champion like he hasn't been a champion in a while not being on that winning side i don't think he has a lot behind him and i think Going against Jeremy Stevens, I think it's the wrong opponent for him to come back against. But hey, you're a UFC fighter. You got to prove your might against the best. Right. However, I think uh, Jeremy Stevens is going to prove that he's a better fighter. Um, on Saturday, I will take Jeremy Stevens. So right now, three fights, and we have agreed on all three. Let's see if that changes now. Moving to the light heavyweight division, number ten, Erie Latifi taking on Tyson Pedro from Australia. Pedro six and zero. Oh, is he possibly the next? Up and coming, and he's light heavy in the UFC. Yeah, is he the next biggest lightweight heavyweight prospect? Because well, there's not a lot of light heavyweight prospects. Well, when you look at Tyson Pedro, you know he's got the tattoos, and you know he comes out. He looks, you know, he's a physical specimen. But and then you watch him fight, and this dude's a Tasmanian devil, man. He just puts your fist, his fist to your face, and you go mm-hmm. to sleep. Yeah, and that's that's what he loves to do. That's all he does. And Two first round finishes. Yes, in his in his, his career, yeah. uh, Semitic. Khalil Roundtree, and then uh, beat Paul Craig. Yeah, so, I mean, and th- and that was a submission due to strikes. Yeah. So he's going to do what it takes. He's going to do anything that uh, that it could take to get a win here. Uh, Alir Latifi is coming off of a nasty knockout loss, I believe. Um, but he's got some very good wrestling, and he's got some powerful hands. But he doesn't set up his combinations very well. You know, it's one it's one shot and then looks for the, sh- the single leg shot. You mm-hmm. know, one shot, then looks for the double leg, or, you know, uh, you know, heavy overhand right and then looks for the clinch right away and then he looks to smother you up against the cage um he if he is if he wants success against someone like tyson pedro he's gonna need to use his size he's got to use his wrestling and he's got to use it's got to be a rough fight for tyson pedro you got to slow down the wild fighter but he was caught in his last fight yeah so i'm gonna give the edge to tyson pedro i think I, i think tyson pedro if he doesn't get 
uh, a knockout, he's going to get a decision. I think if it goes to three rounds, it, it favors Iri Latifi. Because yes. Latifi, you know, has that that stamina. We've seen him go uh, three rounds. Um, in his last win against John Vellante, um, his last fight, however, you were correct. Uh, Ryan Bader hit him with a flying knee. Yeah, because he he was very uh, you know consistent in his patterns. He, he leaned Bader over. Knew. Yeah. So um, and, and then he beat Sean O'Connell. He knocked him out in the first round. He beat Hans Stringer. Um, beat Chris Dempsey. Beat uh, Cyril Tabati. He's got um, potential. Yeah, I mean, but Latifi, you look at whenever he takes a step up in competition. Lost to Ryan Bader, right. lost to Jan Bukovic, right. and lost to Gegard. So I just feel like Tyson Pedro, if he is the next big guy, he's gonna need to get a win soon. And yes. I think it's got to be a guy over, uh, like a guy like Latifi, where you can you know be catapulted into the top ten, you know, into the top nine, eight, seven, whatever. I feel and like a I feel like Alir Latifi's been the uh, kind of the gatekeeper. Uh, at the light heavyweight division, that's fair. I maybe mean, that's and maybe that's the case for a few guys. I mean, you look at Misha Serkinov, who just got knocked out by uh, Volkan Ozdemir, mm-hmm. who's now the newer prospect at light heavyweight yeah. because he's been he's sleeping, fun. guys. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I think Tyson Pedro's gonna get the one. Me though. too. I, I agree with you. I just feel like he's too young. I think Latifi isn't the quickest of fighters, and I think that's gonna you know favor Tyson Pedro, and he won't need to worry about that stamina because he can finish the fight uh, quicker than you know it, it will last. So right. um, I will take Tyson Pedro. Now moving on to the welterweight division, we got Neil Magny, the sixth welterweight in the UFC, taking on the number ten. Welterweight in the UFC, former lightweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. So Neil Magny versus Rafael Dos Anjos at welterweight. What are your thoughts on this fight? Does Dos Anjos have enough, enough to move up the welterweight? Not only, not only is this a, is this a high-stakes fight, this is a very interesting fight. Mm-hmm. Um, see, RDA was the former UFC lightweight champion. He came up against... Uh, uh, Eddie Alvarez. He, well, no, he came up uh, to, to welterweight against... Oh, Tarek Safedine. Thank you, Tarek Safedine. And that was a great fight where he used his wrestling just like he did against Anthony Pettis. Mm-hmm. But Neil Magny's no stranger to that because he fought and then studied under Damian Maya, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, Neil Magny struggles against guys who put the pressure on him. However, he struggles against guys who put the pressure on him who are just as big as him, if not bigger. Uh, he moves well. He's very light on his feet. He switches stances. He's got very good, crisp, clean combinations. He's very long. Yes, he is. And he's very fast for being very long. He's got some excellent chokes and he's got some pretty good wrestling himself um but Rafael Dos Anjos cut he you he started out in the orthodox stance and you know going back to King's MMA with master Rafael Cordero he switched to southpaw and he's got a nasty switch front right kick um and it's and he uses that beautifully to set up his double leg takedowns and his single leg takedowns right up against the cage. So if he utilizes those weapons against someone like Neil Magny, uh, it's going to be a very tough fight. But I'm going to take Neil Magny in this fight. I feel like his footwork and his elusiveness is going to take him far. I feel like he's going to be very wary of the takedown defense Mm -hmm. or the takedowns of RDA, and that's going to boost his takedown defense. Um, I feel like his submission defense is going to be there. I feel like he's studied RDA to to a T. I feel like uh, Neil Magny is going to rise to the occasion in this one because usually whenever you give Neil Magny a chance to rise to the occasion, he'll take it. Yeah. I think I agree with you that you have you have great points on why Magny can win. However, I think that the first thing that you said about what Neil Magny struggles with is when guys put pressure on him. I think that's going to be RDA's game plan, and I think Magny's going to be overthinking it. I think he's going to be going through a lot of, you know, do I stop the takedown? I think RDA is going to be able to pick him apart a little bit. We've seen RDA be able to do that before, and I think RDA is going to be able to do that again because, again, RDA was one of the best lightweights 
in the UFC yeah. for for a pretty long time, and then you know got knocked out by Eddie Alvarez, and then just kind of had a lot of uh, and then after disarray. That he yeah. Suffered a unanimous decision loss to uh, uh, T- Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I mean he he's just had a lot of disarray, but in that Tony Ferguson fight. He was able to put some pressure on it, but Tony Ferguson was able to push the envelope there. Yes. I just think that Dos Anjos will be a little bit more aggressive, and I feel like he'll be able to take over Magny and get the win in this one. Uh, it's nice to disagree, finally. Uh, one, uh, but one let's out move of on now five to the co event, uh, where I think we'll probably disagree here. Uh, Amanda Nunez, the champion of the Bantamweight Women's Division, taking on Valentino Bullet Shevchenko. This was supposed to be on UFC 2. 10 or 211? I believe it was 210. I believe it was 210. I'll double check, but it was supposed to happen. Amanda Nunez got sick, and now it's taking place on UFC 215. So what are your thoughts on this? Does the champion, Amanda the Lioness Nunez, have enough to defend her belt against Valentina Shevchenko? Here's the thing. I watched the UFC 215 countdown show, right? Okay. And, um, you know, you know how they do the interviews with, uh, you know, the training partners in the camp? Yeah. When they were doing an interview with uh, Amanda Nunez's significant other, she, uh, Nina Azaroff. Yes, who's also a UFC fighter mm-hmm. herself. She stated that when she got the belt, that she lost a little bit of motivation because she got the belt and she beat Ronda. So those are two things on her checklist that were basically done. So now what does she do? And then in her last fight, you know, did she have, she pulled out of the fight because of syph- syphilitis, uh, uh, sinusitis. Problems, yeah. Yeah. Um, has she been fighting with that her whole career? And if she did, if she has, what was the difference between all those other nights and the night against Valentina Shevchenko? Because we didn't hear about it until that night. Yeah. Um, now, the flip side to that is she's already beat Valentina Shevchenko. However, Valentina, that was a very close fight. Um, and Valentina Shevchenko is... Um, She's actually a very good striker herself. She's well, obviously got a black former belt. Mu- Muay Thai champion. Yeah, former a former Muay Thai champion. Uh, she's a judo black belt, and she just submitted Juliana Pena in her last fight with an armbar, which is very significant because Juliana Pena is known as a submission artist in the UFC. It's going to be a very interesting fight. This is going to be a very different fight from the first one. This fight, uh, this fight is all about who can put it together better, who's going to be the smarter fighter. I really do believe that it's going to be Valentina Shevchenko. I really like Valentina in this fight. I think her dynamic striking is going to take her far. I feel like her head movement and her footwork is really going to take her far. Um, even though she is a southpaw, she switches stances very well. Uh, when she's on her back, she ties up very well and defends very well. She's very good at shifting her hips out to get back to full guard and half guard. She's good at sweeps. She's good at reversals. She's good at submissions. I haven't seen anything that Valentina Shevchenko hasn't been able to do. And, th- and that includes overcoming adversity. The last time I saw Amanda Nunes with some adversity was when she fought Alpha Cat Zingano. Mm -hmm. And she started off strong against Alpha Cat, and then she got finished by Alpha Cat. Well, I feel like I'd be remiss to mention that on UFC 196, Amanda Nunes beat Valentina Shevchenko. And and one thing that I I will say, I agree with your points, and I'm just picking this because I said that we're probably going to differ on it. I was going in picking Valentina Shevchenko. However, <laughs> I'm going to flip it to Amanda Nunez. Um, I, I feel like you know everything that you've brought up is is fair. You know, you talk about fighters overcoming adversity. Adversity is losing to an opponent and getting a second shot and then beating that opponent. I think Valentina Shevchenko has all the tools to beat Amanda Nunez. It was a very close fight on UFC 196, and not and that to take propelled anything... Amanda Nunez to the championship. Right, exactly. So I just feel like you know Valentina Shevchenko can definitely put on a great fight against Amanda Nunez. I think she will win. Uh-huh. However, 
I just feel like Amanda Nunez will just be a little bit bigger. And I said I was going to differ from you. So I'm going to pick Amanda Nunez. (laughs) Valentina Shevchenko is is no stranger to being the smaller fighter, especially you look at her last fight, or her last two fights, actually. Yeah, she was smaller than Holly Holm. Yeah, smaller than Holly Holm and smaller than Juliana Pena. Remember, the first first featherweight women's championship fight was with uh, Holly Holm. She moved up in weight. Yeah, so, I mean... But not to take anything away from Manny Nunez, Manny Nunez is the lioness. And she's such a dog. And she's looked so good when, like, her striking in her past fights. I know Ronda Rousey. Her boxing's was, amazing. Yeah, it was a different story, but she has looked so her crisp with her fighting. Her boxing is amazing. So I think something that, that, that also plays her in the boxing, factor. That her boxing's amazing. Her uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu's uh, amazing. Her uh, judo is actually pretty good. Yeah, I just... I feel like you know Amanda Nunez. She she has really developed as a striker. I yes. think that's gonna that's gonna play into how she can win, and maybe that's gonna close a little bit of the distance that was kind of shown in the first fight between Valentina and Amanda. That you know Valentina was a very skilled striker. I feel like Amanda Nunez has at least grown um, in in the striking department, which is gonna close that gap. And then when it goes to the ground, Amanda Nunez has been seen as a very good, great grappler before. So. I'll take Amanda Nunes to differ from you, but also I think I there's still a very like, close fight. I still feel like the bullet's going to take it from the lioness. Oh, I agree with you. I'm just going to differ from you and pick Amanda Nunes. <laughs> All righty. There's going to be no disagreement. On to the next. There's going to be no disagreement here on the main event. Demetrius Manny Mouse Johnson taking on Ray Borg, the Tez Mexican devil. And let me mention, Dana White said that Demetrius Mighty Johnson, or D- Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, was never going to headline a pay-per-view again. Right. And here he is headlining a pay-per-view. Here is Dana White saying that he's going to get rid of the flyweight division, yet here is a flyweight championship fight taking place, mm-hmm. headlining a championship. Yes. Uh, a headlining pay-per-view. I think it's just ridiculous. And, and Dimitri Mighty Mouse Johnson has been dragged through uh, the, the dirt for absolutely no reason. I mean, you look at John Jones, a guy who you know shows that he's such a great person. Dimitri Mighty Mouse Johnson doesn't need to say he's a great person. He just is a great person. <laughs> you look at Embedded, he's just great with his kids. He's a great fighter. He's very humble. He's you a can... guy that's very nice with his fans. I mean, he's a guy that is also one of the best champions we've seen in years. And outside of fighting, you can catch him on YouTube or Twitch just playing video games. It's like what 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 what's the fault in that? Yeah, and and I mean this is one of the most diamond champions in years. I mean this yes. is GSP Anderson Silva level, eleven straight title defenses. Yes, it's Dimitri. It's Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to me. I mean I, I think you're in agreement with me that DJ is going to win this fight. Um, you know what? Let's talk about Ray well, Borg for on, a little bit. Point. First off, is Dimitri Mighty Mouse Johnson going to win this fight? I do believe that he's going to win okay. this fight. How can Ray Borg win this fight? Well, Ray Borg I, I set is up. a great. <laughs> Let me do my job. <laughs> Ray Borg is a great wrestler. I'm trying to stay two steps ahead. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Ray Borg is a great wrestler. He's a good submission artist. He's super tough. He's some awesome Muay Thai. And he's been developing his technical game ever since he uh, joined with Jackson's camp. But Demetrius Mighty Johnson's been with Matt Hume and his team at Pancration for a very, very, very long time. And they have this tight-knit relationship that could basically it can't be broken. And basically mm-hmm. DJ trusts... Matt Hume with everything um, in, in his game plan and his fighting abilities. Um, Ray Borg with someone like Greg Jackson, this is going to be a chess match. This is going to be a very interesting fight. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, DJ is going to run through Ray Borg. I believe that Ray Borg is going to not make it easy for DJ to get that W. I feel like Ray Borg is going to stay in his face and try to wing those shots and try and stuff that takedown and try and disengage from the clinch and, you know, get away from the cage as best as he can to try and at least nullify a little bit of the style of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. However, Matt Hume and DJ are extremely smart individuals, Mm -hmm. so I feel like whatever Ray Borg does in the fight, 
uh, DJ and Matt Hume will analyze that and calculate it and work around it during the fight. And how do you think he will at least calculate it and, and, and move around it? And what do you think Dimitri Midas, Midas Johnson will do to overcome Ray Borg's pressure and what you're saying and, and how he's going to attack DJ? He could do one of two things. One, he could either stay patient, look for the counter shots, and keep switching stances and, you know, go for the double leg shot or the single leg shot. You know, keep Ray Borg guessing. Make him guess, you know, where is he going to go? Is he going to strike with me at this range? Is he going to shoot for a takedown at this range? Is my back up at the cage? You know, can he, if, my, if I'm in the center of the cage, can he shoot a double up against the cage, you know, mm-hmm. against me? Who knows? Um... That's what he should do. He should keep him guessing. Or he should do what he did against Henry Cejudo, and that was just take him out of there. Take him out of there right away, get him out of his element as much as you can, and just finish him right then and there. Which one do you think he will do? Ah, man. You know what? With DJ, it's it's a, it's a, it's a toying cost. You don't know because mm-hmm. DJ's so good. Yeah. DJ's so good. Well, let me, let me say this. I think he's going to try to take him out of his element and do exactly what it did to Henry Cejudo because— this is DJ who's been thrown through the mud, a guy who's def- defended his championship 11 straight times. This is under, he's going for the underappreciated DJ. He's underappreciated, and he knows what guys like. He likes when people finish. So I think he's going to try to do what he did to Henry Cejudo and knock him out early or do what he did to Wilson Hayes and finish him before round three. I think he's going to try to put the pressure on him early and try to attack Ray Borg. And I think you know we can definitely see Ray Borg possibly catch DJ, however, oh, I, I, I absolutely believe that Ray Borg has enough power to oh, at he least does. drop DJ. Oh, Ray because Borg. DJ's been dropped by uh, John Dodson and gotten back yeah. up to his feet. And, and Ray Borg has shown power in, yes. in, in his UFC career. However, I feel like DJ is a quicker, stronger, and smarter fighter absolutely. than to get catched by Ray Borg. And I will take Demetrius Medijansson to he's win. He's the GOAT. He is. He's the GOAT. He's uh, the greatest of all time. The only person I would disagree. The only other people I'd throw in the conversation. And let's have this conversation real quick. Uh, GSP, uh-huh. um, and especially if he beats Bisping. Yes. Um, and then also uh, Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier. Those are the three guys that I would say. And you you could also throw Fedor in there, but Fedor recently. Has I been never kind of bought pathetic. into the Fedor hype. So That's fair. no. All right. So who who would you who would your top three be? And D, is DJ in there? All right. DJ would be especially one of my top three. Um, and this one is a tie between Anderson Silva and GSP, but I'm going to pick GSP just because he ended his career the way he wanted to does that make sense yes um Um, if anderson silva keeps and gsp loses to bisping does that change your mind uh not necessarily no because gsp was a welterweight champion not a middleweight fighter but he came back as a middleweight fighter true so we're gonna see what happens but my mind i mean it wouldn't change my mind about him being one of the best pound for pound fighters ever um the other uh, you know it pains me to say this now but in hindsight john jones uh, I, it, I I don't know how much of it was clean, so I can't say he, right. he is anymore. That's that's the thing. That's I, the thing. It, if he was clean and and beat DC at uh, two thirteen uh, or two two fourteen, yes, uh, two fourteen, and he was clean and did it the way that he did, I, easily, John Jones would be the number one goat, and he would be the greatest of all time. But we're not having the discussion in my mind because he cheated, and I don't know how long he's been cheating. And you know, I, again, I don't know how much he needed to cheat. So it's just something that just taints right. it, my were, my were, thoughts of him. Were you so good that you didn't need that stuff, or were you good because you had that stuff? In I think you? he was. I think he was so good so, that he didn't need that stuff. But you know what? He ended up doing it. It's his, his choice. His only loss on his professional record is a DQ. Yeah, that was crap. Exactly. Yeah, my, Mazza, I know, exactly. No, I know, but uh, hey, I'm I just saying. Def- if, I'm just saying. If you look at the records, oh, without a doubt. So the records of DJ, GSP, and John Jones. So DJ's two losses. He's got two losses. One to Dominic Cruz. One, one to Dominic Cruz, Cruz, and then one to Brad, Brad Pickett. Yep. Um, and that was back in Strikeforce. Yeah, uh, that was WEC. WEC. My bad. Thank you. <clears throat> 
Um, Cormier has GSP, two losses, technically. Yes. G- both to John Jones. GSP, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, GSP, his two losses are to Matt Hughes and Matt Serra. Though both of those fights were uh, both first round finishes where there were glimpses of success for GSP and everybody was looking for GSP to be the next big thing. He eventually became the next big thing yeah. and is, you know, one of the best pound for pound fighters ever to ever grace the octagon. Yeah. But he's got those two losses. Anderson now. has seven. Huh? Anderson has seven. Right? Seven or eight title defenses. No, uh losses. Anderson oh, Silva has oh, how many? Oh. Um, I'll, I'll Google I believe it. it's seven or eight. Yeah, but you I mean Anderson doesn't really have the record behind him. He just right. has the dominance of of what you want. Right. A, he a, has the highlight reel. Eight. He, uh, DC counted as his eighth loss. All right. So he was the highlight reel. Yeah. So his career was you know the flying knee knockouts, mm-hmm. the hands down, the showboating, the to, moving around, yeah. the, you know the punches of Forrest Griffin. Front kick to Vitor. Yes. I was wearing my Vitor Belfort T-shirt at, at Tilted Kilt when that happened. I was very nice. upset <laughs> when that knockout happened. Um. But you look at John Jones's record, he's practically unblemished and undefeated. But again, his integrity is kind of tarnished, and his integrity has tarnished his legacy in his fighting career because of the actions outside of the cage that he's permitted upon well, and, himself. And so, the ca- actions inside the cage. Yeah. I mean, you could say even outside of steroids, I mean, even eye pokes. True. So, I don't know. I but just, here's, here's the thing. Just the recent developments, I would say John Jones is not in the discussion right. for me. Here, well, here's the thing. I would be in agree. I I would agree with you, but I don't feel like steroids help you with a head kick. I feel like no, they if, don't. I feel like <laughs> no, they don't. I feel like if you if I feel like if you you know threw your shin into the side of somebody's face, they're gonna go to sleep. But the greatest <laughs> the greatest fighter of all time knows they're the best. And, yes. and, and and can do that without that that help. Doesn't need and an outside edge. And that's You're something right. that he he did. I so. DC didn't do that. GSP. Didn't do that. Right. Anderson's had some questionable tests yeah. in the past. Yes. DJ has been clean. So um, so D, that's right why DJ. Now, so right now as it stands, I'd pick I'd go I'd pick DJ, GSP, and uh and uh, Daniel Cormier. I would go GSP number one, DC two, and then DJ three. DJ goes to like fourteen title defenses though. He's he's up there. Oh, uh, he's, he's the I goat. think he probably jumps GSP. So anyways. That was a fun discussion with 30 minutes, and yes. we previewed UFC 215. Danny, thank you for joining us as always. Oh, and thank if you, you, Sean. Are listening. It's amazing. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week.